and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. This morning I want to talk to you about honoring the Father, honoring the Father. Everybody say that with me, honoring the Father. How many of you, when you were younger, and this may not apply to all of you, because I realize we... We all come from different places, backgrounds, but how many of you bragged about your dad when you were a little kid? You bragged about him in, in ways that, well, my dad is tougher than your dad, and my dad is this and that. And, and maybe that wasn't you. Maybe that wasn't the case, but in some instances, you, you can remember doing that very thing. I remember as a kid, uh, I used to have a passion for playing baseball when I was a kid. I, I used to love baseball, and I still do. And my, my dad would take the time after he got home. I'd have a glove waiting for him. He'd get home working from his construction job. He'd get home about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Reuben remembers this. We'd play in the backyard. Backyard was our baseball field. We had a whole, we had a whole diamond there. And I'd throw him the glove, and I'd have the baseball ready, and we'd play catch. And then I always thought, man, my dad can throw the ball so hard. And my dad can run so fast, because he could. He could run really fast. I always thought, my dad's faster than any old guy out there. And now I know my daughters say the same thing about me, right? But, you know, I, I remember thinking back, back then, my dad was awesome. And he is. He's an awesome man. And for many of you, may ha- you may have had similar experiences where you thought, there's nobody like your dad. Your dad is just great in maybe other areas. Maybe it wasn't throwing the baseball around. Maybe it wasn't uh, even anything related to sports. But in other ways, he could have been a great, great dad. How many remember experiences like that, right? Yeah. And, and here's the great news that our Heavenly Father is so much beyond our earthly father. In fact, where our, he- where our earthly fathers can fail us, and are imperfect. How many know that? That we, even as fathers, as parents, are imperfect. And our children will be the first to point that out, that we're imperfect. And we can all count on that Heavenly Father. Amen. I'm so thankful for that this morning. That God is God, and in Him I can put all my trust in. Amen? Amen. When I think about my Father, I really should say, Our Father, who art in heaven. You know, I always, I'm reminded by the, the, the prayer that Jesus spoke in the book of Matthew. There's nothing else to say, but how great is his name? How great is his name? And it leads you on to other attributes about God, which I'm going to list here in a, in a moment. But uh, this morning, I want to read from our text, which is found in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, if you can uh, find that, because we don't have the scripture for you up on the PowerPoint this morning, but if you can look on that, uh, on your electronic device or your pages, I hear the pages rustling, it's always a very nice sound. First Chronicles chapter 29 and starting in verse 10, and I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, all the scriptures I'm going to read today are found in the New King James Version. So it says the following, it says, therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. 
Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I just pray, Lord, right now that your anointing would be upon this word because, Lord, your word declares that your word does not go out empty or void. And, and Father, it's powerful. And I pray that we would receive it this morning, your word, which is alive, and that it would create a desire in our hearts and in our spirits, Lord, not only to want more of you, but to recognize you in your, in your position of Father. Lord, I pray, God, open our spirits as we open our hearts to you this morning. And Lord, let your word rain down on us this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everyone say this with me. God is my Father. Father. Amen. Amen. He's your Father. If you were one of those that didn't have an earthly father here or didn't have a good relationship with your earthly father, you can count on your heavenly Father. Amen. He is your Father. The Bible also reveals God as the Creator. Amen. When He told us His name is Elohim. Elohim, the Creator. The God of covenant when he revealed himself as Jehovah God, the Lord our master through his name Adonai, the all-sufficient one as El Shaddai, the Lord who provides when he told us his name is Jehovah Jireh, our banner as Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our peace when he revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of hosts through his name Jehovah Saboth, the Lord our righteousness as Jehovah Sidkenu, and the Lord who heals as Jehovah Rapha. Amen? Jesus was no different when he spoke of the Father. How many remember that the times he spoke, and that's why I love the book of John. The book of John speaks of this, uh, the, in, in theological terms, it, it defines it as a subject-object relationship. Jesus with the Father. And what is Jesus really declares his love for the Father, the intimate personal relationship he had with the Father. In fact, his first recorded words connected him with the Father. And that was found in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. He said, he said unto them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? Those were the first recorded words from Jesus. Amen. Also in John 14, 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. See, today we honor God by speaking to him, by, by, uh, or to him, and even for him. Uh, by this, God is honored when we speak to him, when we declare praises unto his name as we did this morning. When you seek him in your prayer closet, the Lord is honored by that. And we can speak to him with intimacy. That's the beautiful thing that Anna was expressing. Those intimate moments where you and your father are together and connecting. Have you had those moments this week? Did you have one this morning? They're there available for you every day. Every day, amen? And there's nothing more beautiful than connecting with your heavenly father. Because he knows exactly how to connect with your spirit. He knows exactly what to do. I don't know that you saw this this morning, but I turned around and I see my sister Betty surrounded with family members, the little ones, Jaya, Chris, and then I see Garland, 
And, and, and then I'm just thinking, Lord, you are, you are great. Your Father, your love has no boundaries. And at that moment, uh, I just teared up. I just said, thank you, Lord. And I can only imagine what Betty, Sister Betty, was feeling at that moment. That's what the Father does as He works through each of you. Amen? He works through you. And that's the intimate relationship that each of us have with Him. Now, it's up to you and I to develop that. Because the Lord, He said, I'm here. All you got to do is seek, knock. I'm here. But if we don't seek and knock, He's not going to hunt you down. He's a gentleman. Our Lord, our Heavenly Father is a gentleman. Amen? Romans 8 and 15 says the following, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You know the word Abba? In Hebrew means Father. Father, Heavenly Father. So when you cry out Abba, you're crying out to the Father. Let's begin to do that. If you haven't yet cried that out lately, begin to cry out to your Heavenly Father. Amen. And this morning, I want to talk to you about four quick points this morning. And the first one on your outline is, My Father is Almighty. Everyone say that with me. My Father is Almighty. You know, our scripture verse said the following, 2 Corinthians 6.18. It said, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That should bring or sound like music to your ears, especially if you had no earthly father. If you didn't have that relationship with an earthly father. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Amen? What kind of an almighty father do we have? Who do, who do we have? How has he displayed himself to us? Well, first of all, as creator. When we go out and we go to Lake Tahoe, when we go to Monterey, when we go to uh, Mexico, Rosarito, where we're going to be staying on the beach, we're reminded of God's beautiful creation. You can be in your backyard today and, and in the stillness and the peace of that moment, be reminded that God created all this for you and I to enjoy. Have you ever done that? Have you just gone in your backyard? Maybe, maybe uh, it is a peaceful place. Maybe it's not. Because uh, I've lived in both. Um, where we live right now, I can go in my backyard and see the mountainside. And I love it because it reminds me of God's great creation, His love for all of us. See, He designed all this for your enjoyment. It's His purpose in life was to bring you enjoyment as well as eternal life. Eternal life, number one but through that enjoyment of His creation. Amen? Yes. He displayed His limitless, limitless imagination and design through His magnificent creation. That's why I love going to Tahoe. I love going to Monterey, two of my favorite places in the entire planet. Uh, I could stay in Yosemite if it wasn't for all the crowds, all the people. I could stay in Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe, just by the lake, go hiking every day of the week. If we could afford it, right? And come back and do ministry on Sundays. Amen. But uh, I just love God's wonderful creation. We're also reminded through His power. God is powerful. Amen. How many lives here has He transformed? How many of you have been impacted by the power of, of resurrection? Amen. In your life. He, he demonstrated His power when He used a single stone to slay a giant with a little teenager. 
A single stone. He used his power in that case. He showed his power when an old prophet, Elijah, prayed a prayer and fire came down from heaven and destroyed the gods of Baal, the, the false prophets. Amen? He's the source of all power. Everybody say that with me. He's the source of all power. From the multiplying of an atom to the farthest reaches of the universe, he's the beginning and the end. He's the first and last of all power. Amen. He cannot tire, unlike you and I. We get tired. You know, if, especially if you work a, a, a job Monday through Friday, you come, come Friday by 5 o'clock, you're tired. I know, because I feel that way. How many know what I'm talking about? You, you get tired. And the great news is our God never tires. He's there no matter how many times you come back to him. Lord, I need peace. I need strength. I need power. I need Holy Ghost power in my life to sustain me, to keep me from temptation. I know that that's the case for me. I need his Holy Spirit power to give me strength every day. Amen. He never wearies of his responsibilities He is your God and your Father, and He loves you as His son and His daughter. Amen? Amen. He is still as powerful today as He was at creation. Think back to the very beginning of time. Let there be light. Let there be, and every single time He created, and then He said, and it was good. And it was good. Amen? Every time He created one of you, He looked at you, at your parents, actually, and He said, it is good. It is good. And no matter, I was having this conversation yesterday with someone, no matter what you, might, what you may think growing up, you know, because as, as young people, teenagers, we can think, oh, my nose is too big. My ears are too big. I don't like the way my arms shape. I don't like my feet, my legs. I don't have nice legs. Whatever it may be, you can complain about it. God looked at you and said, it is good. It is good. Amen. That's your father. He loves you. God doesn't create junk. Amen? Amen. He doesn't create junk. He's still as powerful today as when he provided manna for Israel. Manna fell. And then every morning the Israelites would pick their food. It was created. A heavenly miracle for them. Amen? God still provides for every one of us today. Even when he told a leprous general to dip in the Jordan. And in obedience he did. And the leprosy left him. That was the power of Almighty God. Amen. When thousands were hungry and were fed with five loaves and two fishes, the Bible says. Thousands. And then there were leftovers on top of that. Leftovers. If that was a Mexican household, there wouldn't have been any leftovers, I'm telling you right now. But he fed thousands with his power. Amen. What has he been doing for you where you have seen his power? Have you seen it manifested in your life? And in the lives of those around you? Of course, amen. What does this mean for you today? What does this mean? That he is almighty, that he is powerful. Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that there is nothing, I repeat, nothing that your almighty father can't do or can't handle. Amen. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been going through a sickness, through finances, through marital issues, Whatever the case may be, the Lord walks with you. There's nothing too great for him. Amen? Have you experienced that in your life? There's nothing too great for him. That test is 
is, uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a test at Napa Valley College, Pastor Rick. I don't know if I can handle this. I've got a test next week in high school. I don't know if I can handle this. I've got a meeting and I've got to create a PowerPoint at work and I don't know if I can handle this. Nothing is too great for your God, amen? God will be with you and he will walk with you. What about those habitual sins? Some of us can get stuck in habitual sins. And God is saying, look, I have the power to break that bondage, whatever that might be. I have the power to break that bondage right now. There's nothing too great for God to handle. Amen? How many are thankful for that this morning? There is nothing too great for God to handle this morning. So he is our father who is almighty. Point number two this morning on your outline is, my father is long-suffering, patient. Thank you, Lord, that you are patient with me. How many years did it take me to get my act together, finally to start serving and walking with him? And that may be the case for each of you out here today. I backslid, and yet my father was patient with me, and he waited, and he was patient, and I thank him for that today. I thank him for his mercy, for his grace. Amen? Numbers chapter 14 and verse 18 on your outline says this, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy. Abundant in mercy. Say that with me. Abundant in mercy. I love that. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. Psalm 86.15 says the following, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. See, I'm trying to paint a picture here of a loving God who is just, who is a judge, but yet at the same time, that judge has to be merciful. Aren't you thankful for that? Because if it wasn't for that loving judge, we'd all go straight to hell. Do not pass go straight to hell right there. And that is what our Heavenly Father should have done. But instead, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross as He spread out His arms like this, said, I love you this much. I love you this much. And, and, and thank you, Lord, for that mercy and that grace this morning. Amen. He was long-suffering back at, the, at creation. When Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden, he was patient with them. He was long-suffering when Abraham and Sarah laughed at the promise of a son. They laughed. They thought, you got to be kidding me. We're way too old to be having children. So don't ever say that, because if God did it once, He can do it again. Amen? He was long-suffering when Israel rejected Him and chose other gods, went running after other gods, went running after other idols. He was still long-suffering. He was long-suffering when one of His own, Peter, denied Him three times and cursed Him three times. He was still long-suffering. So how much more long-suffering, patient, will He be with you and I? Amen? How much more? See, it means that He's patient with you and that His love can never end. That's His identity. That's who He is. That's His essence of who He is. Even when you may have been too embarrassed to say His name, maybe you were too embarrassed to say a prayer in front of somebody or to pray for somebody or to say the name of Jesus, the Lord is still long-suffering when you failed miserably with your temper and anger and vented and raged out, acted out. 
Or maybe when you reverted to your old fleshly ways, the things that you were supposed to have stepped on and buried and were dead to sin, maybe you went back and reverted to that. The Lord is still long-suffering when, when you said you'd never do that again, whatever that may be. Lord, I'll never do that again. Ever, ever say that? I have. Have you failed? I have. Just like you and I. We, we've all said that and we failed. But thankful, I'm thankful for the Lord for His mercy. Amen. Are you thankful for His mercy? Amen. Thank you, Lord. What does this mean for you and I? It means that He is long-suffering. No matter what you're going through today, he is patient with you. Now, there, there does come a point where he asks you and he, he challenges every one of us to step up and do the right thing, whatever that may be, however he's speaking to you. And, and, and he'll give you every avenue to pursue that, give you every avenue to make that happen. But thankfully, he's full of compassion. He's gracious and he's long-suffering. Isaiah 65 and verse 2 says the following, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. Whoa, that's heavy right there. I've stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. His long suffering is displayed right there. How often have you desired to help someone who didn't really want to be helped? Ever desired to... Help someone who didn't want to be helped. You know, I often cite my, the story of uh, a friend I have here that I went to high school with. And he, right now he's currently living under the Highway 37 overpass. Um, he's been homeless for years. And it's addiction that's kept him there. And um, I saw him last week um, a couple times. And he's, every time I see him, he just looks worse because it, the street life is not good for anybody. Amen. And so I asked him what he needed. Uh, he, you know, he gave me a list of things he needed. And I've been trying to hook up with him. Give him he's got a cell phone. He hasn't uh, been able to be reached. I can't get a hold of him now. I've been looking for him. But at any rate, he was looking for blankets. He needed a bike. And I, and I had that stuff ready to give to him. Haven't been able to see him or find him since then. But uh, God is still long-suffering. God is still patient with him. You know, God has spoken to him. I was at his baptism. He got cleaned up about four years ago. I went to his baptism. He got, but then he backslid and went back to the streets. The lure of the old life just kept calling him and calling him and pulled him back in there. Satan is a liar, amen? amen. He promises you many things. But at the end of the day, your life is ruined because of that. And his life is ruined right now because of that. Continue to pray for my friend Joe, if you will. Continue to pray for him. If you ever see him on the street, he goes by the name The Artist. Joey The Artist. That's how they know him around the street. Joey The Artist. So um, pray for him. Amen? God often doesn't rely upon our faithfulness to him. Did you know that? Because if he did, we'd fail him miserably. Amen? He relies upon his own faithfulness. God relies upon his own faithfulness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24 declares this. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. He who calls you is faithful and will also do it. He will give you the strength. He will be with you. Amen. 
So God is long-suffering and patient, and He'll empower you to be able to live an overcoming life. And our point number three here on your outline says this, My Father is righteous and just. And at the same time, we know that He is a righteous judge, amen? We know that He's a loving God, but He's righteous and just. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 25 declares this, Abraham proclaimed, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? This is describing our Heavenly Father. He's the ultimate judge. It's not you and I. Everybody say, I'm not a judge. I'm not to be a fruit inspector. (laughs) That's God's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Amen? We are just to plant the seed. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin. Amen? It's not my my job. My job is to declare the word. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict that person of any wrongdoing. Amen? Amen. And, And so the Lord, what he's saying here is that he is the judge of all the earth. Now, does this mean that my God, my Heavenly Father, is never merciful? Well, of course not. All it takes is to look at your own life, and you can answer that question that He is merciful. Amen? I am thankful again that He is merciful to me, to each of us here today. But, but it seems that, or it means that He is merciful and just in a righteous, consistent way, unlike us. Sometimes we can say, okay, it's fine now. But the next time that happens, we'll come down. We'll crack down on that person if they fail us, if they find fault or something. We'll crack down on them. God is the same way, consistent, time in and time out. He's going to judge you the same, and He's going to be merciful the same. It's never changing. Amen? Amen? God's compassion flows out of His goodness. Because He's a good, good Father, as the song says. Goodness without justice is no good. Goodness without justice is no good. You must have both goodness and justice, justice and goodness. If you're a father here today that wants to discipline your children, or a mom that wants to discipline your children, you must have just with good. Justness with goodness. You can't just be the mean person all the time. You've got to show them, you know, I gave you that spanking for your own good, so... Bianca, she may be 20 years old. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't spank her. She's old enough now to understand that. But as parents, we need to display that as well to our children. Justness justness and goodness. Amen? Here's the other thing, too, about God's mercy and His grace. If God said, let's just everyone come to heaven. The doors are open to everyone. That sounds ridiculous, right? Because if God is a judge, how is that all possible? Because you'll hear some people that say, well, God is a loving God. How could he keep anybody from heaven? Have you ever heard that? People will ask you that. But here's the thing. That would be a violation of his justice to allow sin to just come marching in and and be seated with justice. Amen. It's a violation of who God is. He would violate his justice and cease to be good. God can be both just and merciful. Just and merciful. And and I'm thankful for that, that he is just and merciful. Amen? 
Psalms 89 and verse 14 says this, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Are you seeing that now? Are you capturing how he can be a just God, yet at the same time, he can be a merciful God? That's who he is. That's who he is. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have this righteousness and justice without having mercy and grace on the other hand. Thank you, Lord, for that. Romans 6 and 23, which you all can quote here, I'm sure, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. It's death, destruction, if you sin, if you choose to live in a lifestyle of sin. But, 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 everybody say but. But. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift that he wants to give you is eternal life. There's that balance again. It's filled throughout the scripture. You can say God is a hard lying God. He's not merciful all you want. But the scriptures are filled with God's mercy, God's grace, God's loving kindness toward us. Amen. Amen. This verse that we just read, Romans 6.23, it helps demonstrate both the justice and mercy of our Father. See, He has mercy and justice towards you, towards all of you. No matter what you did last night, no matter what you did last week, no matter what you did five years ago, He has mercy and justice for all of you. Amen? Amen. But here's the other thing too though. Sin has a price. Sin has a price. For we are all sinners, right? All of us here are sinners. There is not one here that is perfect. Not one. We all have our need for God to forgive us of our sins. Justice must be met, must be met because of the sinfulness of man. Because of my sinfulness, justice must be met. And we don't measure up to God's standard of righteousness. None of us do. None of us ever will without Him. Amen. Without Jesus in our place. A price must be paid for our righteousness. And that's what I'm trying to drive at today, that that price was paid by Jesus Christ on that cross. And again, what we see through that is the justice and mercy of God for you and I, for you and I. See, justice is the sin that must be paid for, and mercy is Christ died for me. Christ died for me. That's the mercy. That's the big picture right there. The just, justice and the mercy. Amen. Aren't you thankful today that God is full of justice for you and mercy for you? That he can be a judging God? Because see, as a holy God, there's nothing that can be in his presence that has any blemish. And, and here you can look at yourself and say, well, I'm not perfect. And I know you're not. I'm not either. And because of that, he sent his son as the mediator, as a propitiation, the Bible says, the sacrifice for you and I that can step in and say, you are now made righteous. You are now cleansed and made whole because alone we're not capable. doesn't matter how many prayer meetings you go to, how often you go to church, how much you give in tithes. It doesn't matter. Those are all things you should be doing, but you can never do that to appease God. How many know that this morning? Amen. Amen. And then it takes us to our final point, point number four. My Father is loving. 
My Father is loving. Everybody say that with me. My Father is loving. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon Garland, upon Reuben, upon Betty, and every one of you here today. Behold, the manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, sons and daughters. Right now, say this with me. If you're a son, say you're a son. If you're a daughter, say a daughter. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. There you go. Or the king. Either one works. But that's who you are. Don't let the enemy, don't let this world tell you otherwise. You are a child of the king. Amen. The father is a loving father. However, here's, the, here's what some people will tell you. How can he be a loving father and yet allow me to go through these trials, these tribulations in my life? Doesn't he know the pain I'm going through or the pain my loved one's going through? And you may be faced with that today. And you may be asking yourself, how can a loving father allow that to happen? How can a loving father allow, I heard 29 people pass away in an Oakland fire? You know, there will, there will be people asking that question. How can a loving father allow earthquakes where thousands of people are killed in a moment? You know, and again, we're not always able to give you an answer. We, we can't just say, well, you know, this and that. But what I can tell you is that God is a loving God. He is a loving God. Romans 8.28, one of my favorite scriptures, says that all things work together for the good of those that are called according to His purpose. Amen? All things. We may not be able to see it at that moment. We, can, we can't even fathom how a death, tragedy, can, can inspire good. But through that, God knows what He's doing. He is in control. Amen? Isaiah 43 and 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2 says the following. But now thus says the Lord... Who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor the, shall the flame scorch you. And that scripture, what it's really, what it's saying here is. In one sense, you could say that God loves us too much to keep us from the storms, keep us from the trials, the tribulations, because He loves us. But He cannot leave us in that middle of the storm. He won't ever leave you or abandon you. Amen? How many are thankful for the Scripture in the New Testament that says He will never leave you nor forsake you? Yes. No matter what you've gone, gone through or are going through, He will never leave you nor forsake you. See, it was because of God's love that he's, He led His people out of the wilderness into the promised land. Now, did He desert them out there in the desert for 40 years? No. He walked with them. The Bible tells us that there was a, a pillar of a fire at night and a cloud during the day that would lead the Israelites, that would tell them, okay, stop here, keep going, and 
He allowed them in His patience and loving kindness, His long suffering, He allowed them to completely fall apart. They were really a backslidden nation. And He allowed that because again, your Father God is a gentleman. Amen? He loves you very much, but He's not going to cause you to do anything against your will. And He let them do what they chose to do. And that's why they remained in the desert for 40 years. Because they continued to live life according to their own thinking. Amen? But God never left them. He never deserted them. In the middle of their trials, God was always there with them. There was always a remnant of people that said, I'm going to continue to follow Him, continue to listen to Him. The priests that set up the tabernacle in the desert, they were always following The tribe of Levi were always following the Lord. There were others that were just... God needed to shake them up, and He did. He shook them up out there in the desert. Amen? And this leads us to the greatest scripture, in my opinion, in the Bible, in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest scripture right there in the entire Bible, right there. He desires that no one here should ever perish, spiritually talking, that you shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life with Him, in heaven, with Him. He wants to fellowship with you. He desires to have a relationship with you here, but He longs to have a relationship with you in heaven, where He can just sit with you, and you can begin to talk to Him, and you, be, you begin to tell Him, Lord, I'm so thankful for being here. Thank you that Wayne's here, that Irene's here. I'm thankful that Dan's here, Sandy's here. I'm thankful that you taught me your word. I'm thankful that you never deserted me. Lord, I'm thankful for the healings that took place. I'm thankful that, Lord, that you gave me peace in the middle of my trial. He longs to have that moment with you, not only here, but up in heaven. Are you looking forward to that time when we can just fellowship with Him? Because it's going to be eternity. Everybody say eternity. eternity. And I can't imagine, neither can you, what eternity is like. I mean, we can't even wrap our minds around that concept. It's hard to imagine 85 years, 90 years, which is, you know, typical standard life here. 80 years, 85 years. Uh, it's always increasing. It's hard to wrap our mind around that if you're a young person here today. If you're older, it's pretty easy to, to get around that number. As, as we get older, we, we, we start looking at the downside of our life. But it's a closer day to be with Him. Amen? And one day we will all be there together. And one day we will all rejoice together. Amen? All of us will rejoice together. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain. No more tears. No more sin to hold us down and, and, and cause us to have physical infirmities here on this earth. I can't wait for that day. And as the Bible says, Lord, come quickly. I, I, I pray that. I pray, Lord, come quickly. Take us to be home with you. Whenever that day may come, but Lord, come quickly. Amen. Amen. Do you agree with me? Amen. Lord, come quickly. Amen. Amen.